Professor Ted Adelson is a John and Dorothy Wilson Professor of Vision Science at MIT in the Department of Brain and Cognitive Science and the Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Lab. He is a member of the National Academy of Sciences and a fellow of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences. Ted has published widely in areas of human vision, computer vision, and computer graphics. His current research focuses on artificial touch sensing for robotics. Ted is well known for his contributions to multi-scale image representation in basic concepts in early vision, such as motion energy and steerable filters. His work on neural mechanisms or motion perception has won awards by the IEEE and other organizations. He has done pioneering work on the problems of material perception in human and machine vision. Professor Adelson has recently developed a novel technology for artificial touch sensing called GelSight, which converts touch to images in which enables robots to have tactile sensitivity exceeding that of human skin. And we'll talk about GelSight in this podcast. Ted, thanks for your time today. Nice to be here. Can we start by having you explain broadly what your research vision is and some of the aspirations of your work? All right, these days I'm working on robotic touch. That is, I'm trying to give robots a sense of touch by giving them fingers that are sensitive and soft like human fingers. Uh, and uh, the goal is to give them um, all the capabilities that we'd like robots to have and which um, for the most part they don't have yet. Um, manipulation is an area that's progressing only slowly with uh, robots. And uh, one of the key things is that they need to have good fingers. So we're trying to make fingers that can match the capabilities of human fingers. That's exciting. So can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to conduct this research? Well, I am originally trained as a uh, vision person. My, uh, actually my original training is in human perception. And from there I got interested in computer vision. And uh, for many years, vision was my thing. Uh, and then when I had uh, children, I uh, discovered that uh, children are really have really fascinating abilities to use their fingers and to pick things up and manipulate them even from the from when they're very small. And I just got fascinated by uh, by human touch and and in particular fascinated by the kind of signals that I saw my children picking up even when they were little. Um, so I decided to use what I know about vision. Uh, as, a, as a way of building a, um, a touch sensor. So our, our, the fingers we build have little cameras inside uh, and they look at the skin from the inside and they can see how the skin is being deformed. Uh, and that gives us the touch signal that we, we can process that using image processing techniques, but it gives us an extremely high resolution signal that uh, is full of uh, really great information. That's fascinating. So how are computer vision and touch sensors the same? Well, they're the same in the sense that uh, they're both looking at a, a signal that is distributed across space and evolving in time, right? So you've got, uh, with vision, you've got pixels uh, that are changing over time and you've got a spatial array of them. Uh, in touch on a, on a fingertip, you've got a similar thing, a, a spatial array of, of uh, touch pixels that are uh, changing in time. But um, touch is much more uh, interactive than vision because uh, 
in order to get, uh, in order to do anything in the world, you are touching things, you are reaching out, you're manipulating them. And so the signal on your hand is something that's partly coming from the world and partly coming from the control you're exerting on the world. Uh, so it's uh, touches in many ways, much more complicated than, than vision is. Is that more advantageous in terms of speed, compute cost or accuracy? So the touch signal, um, it's, we would say it's a lower bandwidth as the, the raw amount of data coming from the fingers less than what's coming through the uh, visual system. Um, but, uh, but you've got a lot of uh, fingers actually, and you've got to coordinate that with all the control signals that are being used uh, to control the movements of your fingers and your limbs. Um, so in the, in the end, whether you're doing a vision system or a touch based system, you're sort of pushing the limits on what the technology can provide at this point. You really end up running both of them at very high bandwidth. And can you teach a robot to look at something and predict what it feels like and vice versa? Well, that's a, that's an interesting question because, uh, that's, that's a striking capability that humans have the, the ability to use your vision to look at something and predict what's going to happen when you touch it, you can predict, uh, let's say if you're looking at um, a shirt or uh, a piece of food or something that you're going to, you're going to reach out and touch it, um, you're predicting what's going to happen when you touch it, how it's going to deform, how it's going to feel, um, how it's going to behave as you manipulate it. And um, that's a, an amazing ability that humans have. Uh, and uh, until recently, it was not something that you could really imagine uh, giving to robots, but because of the advances in uh, machine learning, in particular deep learning, uh, it's now possible to teach robots very high level uh, complex uh, relationships between the visual signal and the touch signal, both the expected touch signal and the touch signal uh, and I should say the, the motor signals uh, as, they're, as they're evolving. So it's, it's becoming possible really to give robots the ability to uh, connect the visual and the tactile uh, information. And did you use supervised learning in addition to deep learning to create better sensing? So uh, supervised learning uh, can be, uh, well, both supervised learning and uh, reinforcement learning are used heavily in robotics. And um, both of those can be used uh, with deep learning techniques these days. So um, really it's, uh, learning has really revolutionized uh, everything we do uh, and, and made everything more power, po much more powerful. And can you tell us a little bit about GelSight and the promise that it holds for robotics? So GelSight is one uh, touch technology. Um, it's not the only touch technology. It's the one that we're pursuing. Uh, the way it works is uh, there's a camera inside the finger. The, the fingertip is made of a soft elastomer covered with a membrane. And by looking at what's happening to the membrane from the inside, we can see exactly what's happening in terms of the mechanical interaction between the finger and the world. Um, it's, a, um, it's an attractive technology because rather than being based on some advanced um, new sort of magic nano something or other, um, 
it's just based on uh, ba very straightforward stuff like cameras and elastomers, which are well known and well understood. And these days, cameras are so cheap, they're almost free. Uh, and because of cell phones, the uh, cameras are really small and really capable. So, um, so we can take the, these uh, simple, well-established technologies and uh, repurpose them for, for use in this other technology, namely touch sensing. And uh, that gives us a way of, of getting a very capable sensor, which is also soft like a human finger uh, and which has sensitivity uh, that's actually better than a human finger. Um, so we think this is a very exciting way to go in terms of uh, giving new capabilities to robots. So Ted, is GelSight a product? Is it a technology, an API? Is it open source? Can you just explain a little bit more of what it is? All right, GelSight is a particular approach to touch sensing that involves, uh, as, I've, as I've said, it involves the use of a camera inside of a finger. Um, <clears throat> There's a, a whole family of um, devices we can make using this technology. Um, and we're, um, we're publishing descriptions of how they work um, uh, and, and it, making it available to, a, um, to the research community. Uh, it's also a company. There's a company called GelSite Inc. that's spun out of my lab that's uh, right now not making robot devices, it's, it's making metrology devices, but in the future we'll make robot devices. Um, and there's some uh, MIT owned IP that's associated with uh, the technology that's um, available, uh, you know, in the usual ways that IP is available to those who are interested. So a robot manufacturer or someone who is doing arms actuators could take this technology and incorporate it and productize it? Yeah, hopefully what will happen is that um, we'll, we will, um, between the work in my lab and, and work by uh, companies, it'll, it'll become products, um, starting with um, fingers, uh, but it's actually, uh, it's difficult to make a finger that's very useful by itself. You really need to have a finger that's uh, part of an entire system, part of the hand, and the hand has to be part of a, a, a robot, and the, the whole thing has to be bundled up into a system. So uh, in the long run, it'll, it'll just sort of disappear into you know, a, a manipulation system, um, but it'll be a piece of it. I see. And what industries do you think this technology will most impact? Well, uh, if you ask what, what could um, touch sensing be good for, uh, or more particularly, what could good fingers be good for, uh, basically, anything that people can do uh, is uh, is an area where uh, robots could do it as well. Um, so that could be in, in manufacturing, that could be in uh, food preparation. Uh, logistics is a big area where robots are being used these days. Um, and um, healthcare, elder care, um, uh, domestic robots, robots in your house, um, you know, basically, robots uh, can be everywhere doing everything, um, and if, uh, if they have good fingers, they have good hands, um, then they're much more capable. And one area that's of particular interest is in the areas where uh, robots are working 
close by with humans. Um, they could be working on the factory. Uh, they could be working uh, in the home or they could be assisting somebody, uh, you know, an older person getting dressed. Uh, for these applications, you need to have um, the capability of being, uh, uh, of having good sensitivity, good touch sensitivity to control the manipulation. You also need safety. And um, again, touch is uh, another area where, um, where, well, which is gonna be really important for safety in, our, in order to give the robot feedback to knowing what they're touching, how hard they're touching it, is it safe uh, the way they're touching it? I see. Can you explain the benefits of working with the CSAIL Alliance program and industry partners? Have you teamed up with any industry partners to advance your research? Um, yes, well, um, so throughout my career, I've worked both with uh, basic research funding like from NSF and uh, with uh, funding from uh, various industry sources. Um, right now, uh, actually, the majority of my funding is coming from uh, the Toyota Research Institute. And I'm uh, talking to uh, some people in CSAIL alliances about uh, funding possibilities. Um, I think that uh, working at the boundary between basic research and applied research is uh, really inspiring. Um, if you just do basic research, it's it's sort of easy to get lost in your own little world and lose track of the what the real problems are. And so uh, as soon as you start working on uh, real world problems that are brought to you by people in industry, it sort of focuses your mind and it opens your eyes up to uh, things you hadn't thought of. Uh, so I think it's a, it's a terrific way of uh, balancing uh, the, the real world information from the theoretical information. And, and um, CCL is a great place to do that. And the CCL Alliances program is a, a great way of fostering that kind of interaction. Great. Well, we think so too. Is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners about where you see this field going in the future? Uh, robotics is really a terrifically exciting place to be working right now. Um, because you can just begin to see the potential, uh, but you can also see there's so much more to be done. And um, basically, I think you could say in computer science, generally, uh, a, lot of, a lot of computer science has been spectacularly successful working in the world of bits, the world of information. But if you wanna be working in the physical world, where you're causing changes to happen, you're manipulating things, you're driving cars, um, you're working, uh, you know, you're helping people in the physical world. You you really need to uh, really need to work on developing great robots, and uh, we're just beginning that. As, uh, but it's um, you can see that it's it's really taking off. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Can you elaborate a little bit on how you're using deep learning for high resolution sensing? Deep learning is, uh, it's revolutionary. It's the most revolutionary thing I've seen in my career. Um, and it's not a field that I ever worked in. Uh, so I, I'm not, I can't claim any credit for it. 
Um, but it has, it has just deeply changed everything we do. I think deep learning is, uh, it's, or machine learning more generally. Uh, today for the, for the grad students that are being trained today, it's almost like calculus. It's, uh, it's just a tool that everybody uses, even if you don't study it, even if you're not um, you know, a theoretician in it. Um, it, has, uh, it has developed into uh, a family of tools that are just so powerful that it allows you to do all kinds of stuff you couldn't before. In the case of uh, touch and robotics, uh, it was just a few years ago, um, let's say more than five or 10 years ago, uh, if you got a touch signal coming out of your sensor, it's very hard to convert the raw data into something useful. It's very hard to figure out how you're gonna use all those signals coming out of this physical device into a decision about how to move or how strong something is or how, uh, whether it's slipping or something like that. Um, because those relationships between what, what the, the raw data says and what you wanna know in terms of a decision, those are very complicated relationships. But with deep learning, it's become possible to do those very quickly. So something that might've taken months of hard work to figure out in the past, you can do in a few days. And, the, um, and you don't have to be a world's expert at machine learning because people have um, encapsulated this knowledge into um, open source routines that you can, you can just use. So it's really revolutionary. Can you talk a little bit about artificial intelligence and perception? What is the state of the art as far as perception and the use of artificial intelligence with perception? So for me, the most important thing about intelligence, whether natural intelligence or artificial intelligence, is that um, the human or the robot is constantly making a model of the world. So you're making decisions about you know, how to move your body, what to do, uh, what's out there, you're making all these decisions based on an internal model that you're building based on the data you're gathering from the world. Uh, and so you, uh, it's, it's this uh, ability to capture data from the world and infer the nature of what's out there in the world and what's happening in the world and what's going to happen when you take an action. That's, that's what's critical uh, to intelligence. And, uh, and so that's an area where people are really making a lot of progress. Um, in, in the case of manipulation, we're, uh, we're gathering data from our fingers that tell us about what we're touching and, and how things are moving and changing as we touch them. And we're using that information along with other data like visual data to um, infer about the state of the world and that allows us to change the state of the world by executing motor actions. Well, that's all the time we have today. Ted, thank you very much for joining us and have a great day. My pleasure, thank you. Bye-bye.